You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hot, hot, hike! Making Monsters, I'm Taylor Dahl, that's Dylan Ryan, and we are back from a little extended vacation because uh, it was Thanksgiving week and nobody wanted to talk to us during Thanksgiving week. It's so weird. Everyone wants to hang out with their family and friends rather than talk some football Instead of talking about David Montgomery, who we were trying to do the episode on last week, because obviously after Khalil Herbert got hurt, he had a big game. Um, So we are super excited to talk about Monty. We're still working out that one because we want to talk about David Montgomery. He's way too fun. And obviously with contract talks coming up, it's a it's a big deal. It's important. Um, And Tristan Ebner does not look like he's the guy right now. If that will change, I don't know. But he pretty much got benched last week for Darrington Evans. Yeah, we had the uh, practice squad call up kind of beat him out. So, yeah. Um, But we're here for this week's Making Monster, which happens to be um, a guy named Jack Sanborn. Had a pretty good game last week. Yes. Was I the mean, only that, one. He, yeah. The, yeah. This, last week, that's what I just skipped over the, even that as I started this because there's nothing, there's not much to talk yeah. about. Like, uh, Justin Fields didn't play. Darnell Mooney got hurt. Eddie Jackson got hurt. Jaquan and Kyler weren't playing. It was just a Terrible. hot mess. Yeah. And I was honestly a little worried for the first, like, 10 minutes of the game because Trevor Simeon had, like, the, fr- the couple good drives right away. And they were actually, it was just, it was like, 10-7 or something for a bit, and I was like, if we end up winning this game, I'm going to be so mad because we're not going to hear the end of it, how Trevor Simeon can be a pocket passer behind this line, but Justin Fields can't, and blah, 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 and I was like, I'm not ready for those conversations, so honestly, thank God we only scored 10 points because yeah. I don't have to ju- I don't have to justify anything right now yeah. or defend anybody. I was personally more annoyed with the Peterman tease. We just got everyone in the world is like, oh I my, know. I wanted Trevor, to Simeon, Trevor Simeon got hurt in warm-ups. We're going to get Nathan Peterman. It's I just, know. He's like, if we're going to be bad, let's be bad. Yeah, you know, like, me Nate, yeah. five interception. I want to see like a seventy-yard <laughs> touchdown run and then see him throw a, 50, a ninety-nine-yard pick. Like, let's get crazy. It was funny because obviously Nate Peterman's from Jacksonville, and so my brother was his offensive lineman in high school, and my brother loves Nate Peterman. Like, people love Nate Peterman. Like, nice that's guy. why he's continued to stay on at least practice squads because he's a really, really good guy, and like teammates love yeah, him. I think he's like a big Jesus guy too. Yeah. Think, yeah, and yeah. so that's what my brother said. He would always pray like in the huddle before the games, and he would like if someone got hurt, he was over there praying for them, and like that's not for every everybody but a lot of people it's comforting you know um so one of the guys here denny thompson is like our quarterback whisperer in florida he trains a lot of the quarterbacks uh around everywhere um but nate peterman's one of them anthony richardson's another one carson beck's another he one was Ian Bortles, Book, right um, Bortles yeah. was uh josh dobbs was here gardner Minshew was here like a lot of guys um but I te- he, Nate Peterman's one of his dudes, so I was like, hey, Nate Peterman's starting. And he was like, he literally, I felt so bad because he left the gym to go home and find the Bears game so that he could watch Nate Peterman. And by the time he got home, Simeon. Trevor Simeon was walking out on the field. But as he was, as I texted him, and I was like, 
he's hopefully he doesn't get killed because our line is just not great. And he was like, I was like, is he mobile? And he goes, LOL, a little. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. But obviously Trevor Semi is not mobile at all. And that's all we need to say about that game, except also we had two major hits, Mooney and Eddie Jackson out for the season. That hurts. Yeah, um, Bermet left to the ground. Ugh, it's It makes me very sad for Eddie because Eddie was having a year. He was having his comeback year, and we were all pumped. He's leading the the – the safety position in NFL Pro Bowl votes right now. Um, so I'm really bumped for him. Uh, well, it's going to help us lose more, which at this point is where I Silver guess linings. we all are at, yeah. except I do not want to lose against the Packers this weekend, but we'll get to that later. Um, anyways, Jack Sanborn's our guy. He has been really fun to watch since Roquan Smith left, and uh, we'll get to some of those numbers a little bit later because I want to go over what he did in college and what he's been able to do in four starts with the Bears and, you know, a few extra showings here and there. Um, but we'll start from the beginning like we always do because people want to know about Jack Sanborn. Uh, so from what I've read, Jack Sanborn, um, his dad passed away when he was four years old. And so his mom really kind of like took the reins. And his dad is a former, I think, played at Oregon or Oregon State. Um, so was a football player. So obviously that's got the, got the genes in him. Yeah, he has those genes. Um, but obviously his mom being a big supporter because she was raising now him and his brother. His brother is now at Wisconsin. So both guys that ended up in the at least college football headed to the NFL for his brother, possibly Big Ten D1 college. Big, football. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's a I if I ever have kids, I don't know if I will. But if I do and it's a boy. I know I'll be cheering for some sort of like football player, even though I'll probably be the craziest mom in the world because oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> screaming in the stands. Yeah, like got, got a hustle. Be like, come mom, on, you cannot come to any more games. But anyways, let's take a look at his high school career. So he was a four-star recruit in high school for twenty-four-seven Sports. Uh, ESPN, I think, had him as a three-star recruit. Isn't twenty-four-seven a composite anyway? So yeah. that's all the other. That's um, what most. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. they all kind of like. It's yeah, it's like all the, the big sides one. go together. So, yeah. yeah, and they do like an average type number, whatever. Um, so he a few things. He was first team All State uh, by Illinois High School Football so- Coaches Association as a junior and a senior. Um, he led Lake Zurich to Class Seven A state championship game and a thirteen and one in record as a senior. He finished three year his three year varsity career with two hundred and ninety six tackles and thirteen sacks. Um, that's a Big number for a kid, uh, for a high school student, especially because we talk about it a lot on here. A lot of those high school kids are not playing one position usually. Usually they're playing multiple positions. Obviously, by this time, they kind of already knew what Jack was. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> Jack was, was a he, linebacker. He was very clearly a stud. And, like, <laughs> yeah. you don't really get a ton of, like, college talent out of Illinois. Like, you have some players here and there, obviously. There's a few big names that would come out. But Jack Sanborn, he was a pretty big recruit for the area, and ended up mm-hmm. going to some place in Wisconsin and was successful there, too. So. Yeah, which, and that's another, like, we had our Cole Komet episode recently, and Cole Komet was Illinois, Illinois, South Illinois, South Bend, Illinois. And, and got that, as close as possible to being in Illinois without being in Illinois, too. Yeah, and then now Jack Sanborn, granted, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's only a couple hours away. so Two hours from Lake Zurich. Yeah, so, yeah. so you have Lake, you're in Lake Zurich, Illinois, not an hour what from Chicago. Something like that hour from Chicago you go to school two hours away from home and then you end up getting not un, not drafted undrafted but signed picked up to. signed to the Chicago Bears um clo- an hour away from home so it's another story of someone who grew up in that and loved Big Ten football loved Chicago football and just wanted to that's like a dream of those guys yeah, when I mean you're growing if you're up. a Bears fan you grow up and you hear about all the linebackers you know it's Singletary it's Erlacher it was Roquan Smith for a little bit when he was here it was you know all these various guys that we've had that have been so successful Lance Briggs is another one so yeah obviously he's definitely had the idols and the guys to look up to and he's clearly the last four games shown that he's been watching so 
Yes. Um, so, yeah, so that's why Jack's our guy. And um, we'll get into some of the specific numbers for the Bears after we come to this next interview of why we've picked him for this episode. Um, if you've watched Chicago Bear football, you probably know why. Um, and also because it's such a, an important position for Bears fans and we just lost a major piece of our linebacker group. Um, it's a guy that we definitely kind of look forward to. Um, but we have a couple interviews this episode. So we have two different ones. We have his coach, uh, his senior year coach, which was Luke Mertens. He is now at St. Patrick High School, but he was at Lake Zurich um, for his senior year. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of controversy after the first three years. Um, so Jack Sanborn's head coach, there was like some big hazing incident. It the did whole not sound administration good. was pretty much gone. Everybody, afterwards. athletic yeah. director, all the coaches, head coach, everything. Um, and it was something that I guess this coach had been there for a really long time and it had gone back for like years and years and years Created and years. Created a culture of hazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, not saying this coach was directly hazing, but usually if the coaches and ad administrative... Allowed it to happen. Yeah, they never stopped it. They never punished anybody for doing any of these things, and it kept going on. So, uh, anyways, he, him and everybody got let go after his junior year, so they ended up reaching out to Luke Mertens, who, was, who we're going to talk to now. Uh, we were able to do an interview with Coach Mertens, and he was awesome. So, let's go ahead and jump to that interview, and we'll then we'll be able to chat a little bit about his college career. Awesome. All right, we are joined by Coach Luke Martins. He is the former coach at Lake Zurich High School and the current coach at St. Patrick. Uh, he was the football coach for Jack Sanborn his senior year. So, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to get to know Jack a little bit more. Um, we are pretty amazed here that he was an undrafted guy because to us he does not look like one whatsoever. So we're excited to talk about him a little bit. Let's start from the beginning um, of your time there, because obviously there was a bit of controversy leading into that season that you took over. The athletic director and coaches uh, were let go the year before due to some hazing incidents. So, But Sanborn was kind of already a pretty good football player at that time when you took over, and we'll get to him in a little bit. I just wanted to ask you to start, what was it like for you to take over? What were some of those challenges taking over a football team that kind of went through all uh, you know a bit of chaos recently? Yeah, taking over a program is very difficult regardless of the regardless of the circumstances. And then you throw in uh, the situation that occurred uh, that you mentioned was definitely a challenging and very unique experience that uh, that I wasn't really sure what what I was walking into, to be honest with you. you know? um, but my wife really encouraged me to challenge myself and to force myself to do something maybe would put me in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. And I took it on and I gave it a shot. And uh, I got into this business because I believe in people. And what better opportunity to actually put my money where my mouth was than to take this challenge and just walk into a room of uh, a lot of players that a lot of people did not believe in anymore and say, hey, I'm here, I'm proud to represent you. And even I don't really know you, I believe in you because I know that there's good and there's good in all of us and there's the greatness with a lot of work and I knew that room had it. And it was even beyond just Jack. He was just one of them. And yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty awesome experience. And I'm so glad that my wife walked me into that challenge and really forced me to do it. 
I love I respect that a lot, Coach. And I know I'm sure that a high school football team loved to have you come on too and already have that respect and everything for the team. But uh, let's get to Jack. So at this time, Jack was a four-star linebacker coming out. He had already he had just committed to Wisconsin in the beginning, I think March of that year. Um, so like I said, he was already kind of on, on his path on the way to who he was in college. But tell us a little bit about where he was when you took over. Athleticism, size, playing ability. What did you see out of Jack Sanborn? Yeah, probably uh, one of the, the coolest things I could say is he is the most down-to-earth, down ordinary uh, individuals you'll ever meet. And that exists even today. Um, I walked into that first meeting when I, when I was introduced to the team, and I didn't know what to expect out of Jack because he was such a highly touted recruit. And in today's world of inflated egos, thanks to social media, I was a little nervous, to be honest with you. And I did my spiel and introduced myself to the team. And I remember him coming up to me that very first meeting. He was one of the last guys to come talk to me. And I, I knew who he was right away. Um, and he was just, he's just a guy. I mean, he really is. You know, he's just so easy to, to talk to. He made me feel really comfortable. And one of the first things he said to me was, thank you for accepting this job. And that really meant a lot to me because he had every reason to be standoffish with me because here he is going to senior year and I was, he didn't answer me. I was forced upon him. Um, there obviously was a lot of bad publicity around the football program that he loved. And, you know, in comes walking his outsider saying, hey, man, I love you all. I'm going to give you all a chance. It was very kumbaya-ish. But he was like, hey, thank you for taking this on. And we're not going to let, let you down. And from that moment on, Jack was one of the most dedicated, hardest working players on that team. And that's why his teammates loved him so much. There was no hint of ego. There was no hint of all those stars that he had behind his name, um, you know, in the recruiting process. So it was a, a really cool experience to get to coach him and it's also why he is so successful is because he does an amazing job of taking his ego out of the equation and i'm going to tell you just one other crazy story jack was a major reason why i took the job and it's not because of his talent it's because when i was offered the job my initial response was no why would i want to take on what I didn't even know was going on in the program, but there's a lot of bad publicity across the entire nation. Like who would want that? So I was down in Florida with my family on spring break and we went to a Blackhawks lightning game and I'm sitting there with my wife and two kids. And I kid you not who comes walking up the stairs, <laughs> but Jack, his brother and his mom. And they sit two rows behind me. Now, Jack has no idea who I was, mm -hmm. obviously, but I knew who he was because of all the publicity he was getting as such a great recruit come out of the Chicagoland area. He sat behind me. I leaned over to my wife. I said, you're not going to believe this, but Jack Sanborn's sitting right behind us. She turns around and looks, and she said, well, I guess you got your answer on if you should take the job or not. So wow. what's the odds of that? Wow. Kind of seems like the universe telling you you should have taken the job. So good choice, I would yep. say. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so something I was wondering was, so Jack Sanborn, obviously being a senior, being such a good player for your team, obviously was, I'm assuming, a pretty big leader. How instrumental was he in helping the team move past, you know, that hazing incident and trying to just focus on the football? Oh, I mean, Jack is, to this day, I mean, one of the leaders of the Lake Zurich community. I mean, he's just so highly respected for the the person that he is. And, again, it goes back, like, the word that always just pops in my mind when I talk about Jack is humble. And he just goes about his business. He does not want the spotlight. He does not want the publicity. In fact, I know all the publicity that he's suddenly getting I'm, it makes him, he doesn't want it. He doesn't ask for it. He just wants to go out and play football, right? I mean, he loves playing football. He loved being a part of that team and that community and playing with those friends of his that he's been playing with since second, third grade. So that just meant so much to him. And he was always just about representing himself and his school and his program with absolute class at all times and that was really important to him and then when you throw on the fact of trying to dig out of that hole of what happened in that program was even much more important to him to make sure that he left a great legacy at the school beyond just what he did on the football field and one of our first practices he tore his labrum and I'll never forget it was like one of the first plays of contact we had and him and our star running back collide in the hole and I saw Jack start moving his shoulder and I was like oh this isn't good and we sent him out from practice our trainer said you need to you need to go see a doctor so he went up to University of Wisconsin saw their team doctors diagnosed him with a labrum tear they wanted him to get surgery right away because they had a feeling he was going to be a player for him as a true freshman and Jack chose to put off surgery until after the season because he wanted to play one more year with the kids he grew up playing. And I think, you know, of all the stories you could tell about Jack, that just really speaks volumes mm -hmm. to who he is and how much his teammates mean to him. Sounds like a loyal, dedicated guy to me, yeah. I'd say. And tough because that sounds very painful. Uh, I cannot imagine an injury like that and especially playing through it. And so, Coach, you've talked a lot about who Jack Sanborn is, and I love it. It's the exact type of person that Bears fans will rally around. We love the, we love linebackers, but we also love the good people and the easy-to-like easy people. But I want to talk a little bit about him on the football field because I was reading some stories, and one of the things that I saw was talking about a particular play that you mentioned, an option play that pretty much Jack Sanborn destroyed on his own. Tell me a little bit about that play and what that means for a linebacker to do, especially at that young age. Yeah, Jack has an uncanny ability to process what's happening in front of him in a, a very slow down pace. And, and that's, what, that's what adds to his greatness. Like, yes, he's gritty, he's tough, he's athletic, he likes the, the physical part of football, but his ability to see what's happening is – unlike anything I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. And you take that, for example, an option football is based on deception. And a, a, a kid like Jack, I mean, he just is not deceived. His eyes don't lie to him. I mean, what he sees is what's really happening. And then he's able to arrive where the ball is going and arrive in an angry fashion. And that is 
part of why he is such a great player is that student part of the game and the mental part of the game. You match it with his physical capability. That's why you're seeing him. You saw it throughout his career at Wisconsin. You're seeing it in the NFL now. The dude just makes plays. Like, that's what he does. He is a football player, and he makes a lot of, he makes a lot of things happen because of his ability to process. So uh, something I've always kind of um, dreamed about, I would say, as a kid. Well, so actually going back before that. So I am from an area pretty cl- close by to Lake Zurich. I'm from Glenview. So probably about like a 45-minute drive, I'd say. Um, but every kid I knew growing up was like their dream was, hey, like I would love to you know, play for a Big Ten football team and eventually like play for the Chicago Bears. And like Jack got to live out that dream. And he went to play college football two hours away from where he lived. He plays professional football an hour away from where he lives now. Like, how important do you think it is to him for he's been able to stay home and stay close to home for most of his career? It's everything. He'll tell you his family is everything to him. And that's what's the most important piece. It's, you know, he chose the school he chose, not just because of the prestige, the academic reputation of Wisconsin, the athletic reputation of Wisconsin. He wanted to make sure his mom could come watch him play because he had a younger brother still at Lake Zurich, so that way his mom would be able to watch his younger brother play on Friday night and then hop in the car and drive somewhere they're playing in the big time to be able to watch him. That was really, really important to him. And then ending up on the Bears, he obviously had multiple opportunities. Um, you know, There's a lot of teams that wanted him. Unfortunately, he didn't go drafted, but there still were a lot of teams that wanted him. But it was just a perfect fit for him to be able to still be near family, be able to still have mom come to the games and, and watch him play. So uh, it, it absolutely is just a, a, a perfect place for him to end up. And he just fits the mold of what Chicago Bears fans love, right? Like we love that tough, hard-nosed football player. But, you know, you watch Jack play, his wrists are all taped up, his jersey's all dirty. Like that's what Bears fans love. So it's a it's a great opportunity for him to continue to make a name for himself in the league for sure. Um, so something I've also kind of always wondered is you do see a lot of players when they stay home, it works out for them. But other times there are some players who kind of try to stay away from home because you have all that pressure you normally would deal with. And then not to mention you have all the family right there, like trying to always get tickets and all that stuff. Do you think Jack's going to be able to handle all the pressure of like having all the friends he grew up with right there, you know, every random person he's ever known coming out of the woodwork being like, Hey Jack, let me get some tickets or, you know, let me go do this. You think he'll be able to handle that? I I do, but I guarantee it. It really annoys him. Yeah. Because again, (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's not who he is. Like some people just love being the guy and love the spotlight on him. That is not who Jack is. I, I went out to lunch with him. Um, so, so right would have been right before the draft. I went out to lunch with him and his brother. I mean, he is the same person, despite all the accolades in college and the Big Ten honors and playing on national TV and was projected to be um, drafting NFL. I mean, he was just the same person I met when I was introduced to him his junior year in high school as his new high school head football coach. Like, he has not changed at all. He's actually a pretty soft-spoken guy. Again, I keep using that word humble. Like, that's exactly who he is. So my guess, and I haven't talked to him about it, it probably makes him a little uncomfortable, all of the notoriety and all of the, you know, suddenly you're, you're end up in the media all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because 
he just loves football. And I guarantee he loves his teammates that he's playing with in Chicago right now. Like, like he is just a, a great teammate and just a, a throwback type of player who would be the, he would play the same way if there was 150,000 people in the stands or five people in the stands. He doesn't care. He wants to just go play and he plays for his, his teammates. So I could only imagine how many ticket requests mm -hmm. and how many speaking requests and all these things that he is now being hit with, which by the way, the guy deserves it. Yeah. He really does. I mean, it couldn't happen to a better person, but that's not why he does it. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, from what we've seen, at least these last four games, Coach, I think that he might be uh, very uncomfortable for a little while because I see some jerseys being bought. I've seen a lot of things. These last four games, he's had two sacks, three QB hits, a fumble recovery, an interception, which they called back because of hands to the face from someone else, which that was a bad call, um, and four starts in, inclusion, in, in addition to 43 tackles during this time. And so the big storyline Obviously, you being from up there, too, and living there probably know that the tra the Roquan Smith trade was big. And a lot of people were um, upset, but I think there was a little bit of people that were on the train of, like, they saw what Jack Sanborn could do, obviously, in college. But even in preseason, he made a little bit of a umph in that preseason game. So what do you think this means to Jack Sanborn? Do you think it's something, his leadership ability, the person he is, and just, like, the role he can play on the football field, is this he can take over that middle linebacker spot and be the guy. Absolutely. He's, he's a born leader because he's not an I guy. And I think that's an important part of being a great leader is, you know, putting others before yourself. And he is definitely that type of person. So I think he would be a, he will be a great leader for this team for years to come. I think he'll be a fan favorite for years to come. And I think it's an unbelievable opportunity for him and the bears to have to create a new legendary linebacker. I mean, we haven't really had one for a while. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? When I was a kid, everyone wore Mike Singletary jerseys and Otis Wilson was a big deal. Like who knows, maybe Jack Sanborn becomes that next big name. You know, you, we went from Singletary to Urlacher to maybe Roquan Smith and now he's gone. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe Jack becomes that big name again. I mean, Again, that's not why he's doing it, but it would not surprise me if he becomes that next great Bears linebacker. So, Coach, we don't get to talk to too many Illinois people on this show, unfortunately, because the Bears, they get players from all over the country. I got to ask, what's the go-to Portillo's order? <laughs> well, 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 we got to back up a minute. So, <laughs> are both of you from Illinois that both live in Florida? Is that is that the case here? So, well, I, I'm from Illinois. I moved down here probably about a year and a half ago or so for a job down here at 1010 XL. We're the official station of the Jaguars and stuff. But. Yeah, and I am from Northwest Indiana technically, but I've been down here since high school. So uh, we both ended up just working, getting in media and working at 1010 XL. And then we were both Bears fans. So we wanted to start something Bears and we kind of got the opportunity to do it. Which Even awesome. though everyone talks Jaguars down here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, going back to my story about Jack, when I went to the Lightning game, there was definitely more Hawks fans in the stand that were Lightning. So there's oh, quite yeah. the Chicago contingency down in Florida. But uh, so to answer your question, I actually don't go to Portillo's a lot. I'm born and raised in the city of Chicago. And I always get asked, hey, do you, do you get good? Where do you go for good pizza? Where do you go for good hot dogs? You know, people don't realize growing up in the city is, Every block is a great hot dog stand, oh, a yeah. great beef stand, a great a great place for pizza. So 
Uh, I don't go to go to Portillo's very often, as I like to tell people. That's more for the tourists and the suburban the suburban people. Well, but, as as a suburban kid myself, I understand. So <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, you know, back in the day before Portillo's sold, uh, you know, the old school Portillo's, I would definitely go with a beef sandwich dipped with some sweet peppers. Now we're talking. It's a great choice. Style. Great choice. I love it. I th- um I obviously don't get it often being down here. So whenever I go. Back up north, I'm definitely going to Portillo's every time. But a couple more for you, Coach, before we let you go. Um, you spoke on that you had – did you say you d- had dinner with Jack after the draft or pre-draft? It was right before the draft. Okay. Yeah. So what was kind of his mindset there? Because I know, obviously, that has to be a kind of intimidating moment for some of these guys going through, especially it, it was a little bit of an off year, too. COVID still going – changing things the way things were going. So what was his mindset going through all of that pre-draft process? So he just was pretty clear to me that he just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And he did mention, uh, you know, talking to the bears and they were in the conversation and, you know, he said that that might be a great opportunity for him in terms of where he would kind of fall in the depth chart there. Now, obviously he didn't foresee the Roquan Smith thing happening, but he thought there was definitely a really good opportunity there. Um, but again, he was just, he was very passe nonchalant about it. You know, like, yeah, I want to play, hopefully I get a chance, but it's not within my control. So we'll see what happens. And it, he was actually about to be setting out to go out to, I think it was California to, uh, to train. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just was not really sure what was going to happen but he just knew that if he had an opportunity that he was going to do the best he can with that opportunity. And, uh, you know, talk about a small, crazy world. Before I went to Lake Zurich high school, I was the head coach at Lakes high school. And I had a player by the name of TJ Edwards who went to Wisconsin, was a middle linebacker, was thought he was going to be drafted, was an, ended up getting picked up by the Eagles as an undrafted free agent Fast forward, TJ is now the starting middle linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles, wow. and I think he might be leading the league in tackles. Mm-hmm. And that's who Jack replaced. So TJ graduated from Wisconsin. Yeah. Jack graduates from Lake Zurich. Jack goes up to Wisconsin and replaces TJ and their friends. So I bring that up because it's the same trajectory. Oh, yeah. And I remember talking to Jack. I'm like, hey, Look what happened to TJ, right? You know, TJ thought he was going to get drafted. He didn't get drafted, worked his way into special teams, and look at him now, starting for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's like, absolutely. I could, I, he's like, I could see that happening. I, I just I need that chance, you know? So mm-hmm. it's crazy how their, their two careers have just paralleled Lined each up. other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And just by pure luck, I got to coach both. I mean, I can't take credit. These guys are free. You can take a little and, credit. You can take a little. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just, I'm feel so lucky that I got to cross paths with both of these guys and to see both of their success in the league right now, especially when so many people doubted them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it couldn't be any more rewarding for me personally. Yes. I, I, I think that's so exciting. I can, we obviously hear Florida's a big high school football. They love their high school football here. So we see some guys that, you know, we I interview and I cover in high school and I see them go on to play college. And then when I see them get drafted, it's really cool. Um, I, Nate Peterman's off one that's actually from here. So I was kind of hoping with Fields Hurt, I was going to see some Peterman last week just for the 
the, the little relation there. But um, I have one more for you, Coach. First of all, I really hope that Jack Sanborn gets a couple more sacks this weekend and it's on Aaron Rodgers because we, <laughs> we, we love to see him go down. Um, but also you have a podcast uh, called The I and Win. You talk about positive leadership, which obviously that's a big factor in how you like to coach from what it sounds like. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you start that and the premise of this podcast? Yeah, it was actually started on – it was I had – I actually some tragedy hit one of my best friends. He was my offensive line coach. Uh, he died tragically of a heart attack in his sleep. And as I was eulogizing him, I was just thinking about the impact that we have had on all of our players through all of these years. Now, you don't realize the impact at the time because 16, 17, 18 year old kids aren't really big on thank yous, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but they so many came back to his funeral and just the, the life lessons that they carried with them that they took away from our program. And that's where I decided, you know, there's so many teachers and coaches that are impacting the world one person at a time that has made that decision of, you know what, I, I can maybe spread some positivity in this world. And there's just so many great teachers and coaches that are, just disenchanted and feel undervalued and just leaving the profession. And we need them now more than ever mm -hmm. in our world, in my opinion. So I know myself that there are moments that you just feel like you're spinning your tires in mud, but we have to remember the, the long view is we are impacting human lives oh, yeah. and there's no better way to leave a legacy than that. So I just decided to create this podcast, even though I had zero experience in podcasting, even though I cannot stand to listen to my own voice, which I'm still struggling with that part. But I just wanted to showcase teachers and coaches and other leaders who focus on human beings rather than just outcomes. I love that. I love that so much. I'll tell you, Coach, that some of my favorite people and people I still stay in contact with were my coach, my volleyball coach, my basketball coach, and a couple of my teachers from high school and college. So I love that because I, I truly believe that that sometimes they don't realize even the difference that they're making in our lives and what's going on at home is kind of difficult. And sometimes that's an escape for some people. So I, I think that's great. Uh, I look forward to actually listening to some of that because I saw pieces of it on YouTube, a few clips, so I'll keep in touch. But we just want to say thank you again for joining us. And we are cheering for Jack Sanborn, as I'm sure you are also. Well, you and me both and looking forward to him taking down Aaron Rodgers. So I oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Coach. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Coach. Take thank care. You too. Bye. All right. Well, thanks to Coach Mertens. Uh, it was really good interview. It was fun. Um, I personally did not know much about Jack Sanborn at all. So it was kind of cool to get into his per not only the football side of him, but he clearly is a really good guy from what Coach is saying. And I heard from someone else on Windy City Gridiron. Lester said that um, they have a connect. I guess he coaches eighth grade, like middle school football um, or did at some point, but he said, cause he asked me, he was like, is, Lo uh, is coach Mertens the guy you're talking about? And I was like, yeah. And he, he was pretty much like, oh yeah, like he's an intense guy. Like he's, you know, he's a good coach, but he's intense. And I was like, you could tell, like you could tell in that interview, not that he's like aggressive or mean, but that he cares about football and seriously. he cares about like the players being good people too, which I appreciate that. Um, there's a lot of not good people football players going on even in the world today between Deshaun Watson and Antonio Brown and Kent what's his name uh 
Kitna, the dude from oh, Florida. From Florida, yeah. A lot a of bad guys here. going on in the world today. So I love to hear that we have a good one. Um, but anyways, let's move on. So he committed to Wisconsin, goes to Wisconsin. Uh, a little bit about his playing career. So his, in 2018, he didn't start, but he did play in 11 games. He finished with seven tackles and a forced fumble and a pass breakup that first year. And then 2019, he became a starter. So 2019, he started all 14 games at inside linebacker. He led the team with 80 tackles, nine tackles for loss, five and a, five and a half sacks, three interceptions, three pass breakups, uh, forced and recovered a fumble. Sounds like a pretty good football player. I don't know what player. else you can really ask a football player or a <laughs> no, linebacker like, to do for you. Not sure what else. Um, so then 2020 obviously was COVID year. And 2020 was weird for a lot of people, but especially the Big Ten, because they like were not going to have a season, and then we're going to have a season, and then next thing you know, they're like, we are, but we're going to play seven games. And only I think only conference games, right? Yeah, it was that. that really? and, like, and not to mention, like the not only was it weird for players, but it was really weird for NFL scouts and being able yeah. to interact with all these players. And it honestly could explain why a guy like Jack Sanborn, who had such a productive college career and has played so well in the NFL, ended up going undrafted. Yeah, and, and that year, because I've talked to a lot of people about that year and how it altered a lot of things, because obviously it's hard for the players, because everything was virtual, like meetings and stuff. The obviously you would go virtual. to practice, but your, like, your normal team meetings and stuff was virtual. Everything was weird. You couldn't like touch most of the time, and it was, it was just... It was a very odd year. And then you're being told you're not playing football. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, never mind, you are playing football. Um, and so it was only a seven-game sample that year. But in those seven games, he had 52 tackles, four tackles for loss, a sack, a forced fumble, and interception. He also was Duke Mayo Bowl MVP. Taylor, uh, really quick uh, aside, do you remember who was the player leading the Big Ten to be like, I want to play football? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Justin. Justin Fields. It was Justin. <laughs> it was Justin Fields. Just wanted to say that. Just wanted I do to say remember that. that now. I was like, good for Justin yeah. Fields. And at this time, I had no, like, cool, I like Justin. But yeah. I was like, in my head, never thought he was going to be a Chicago Bear at that time. Yeah, you know? he's just like, I want to play football, man. That's oh all I want to do. Oh, my God, I remember that. Yeah. I love it. Because I remember it was a big topic, obviously, because it was him and Ryan here Day. in Florida, yeah. it, nothing happened. Like, nothing no shut cared. down. <laughs> Things just went on. We shut down for one month. Everything went on. It was pretty much like we had people at our NFL stadium in September of 2020. Like, that's Crazy. how much, yeah. And yeah. other teams were not even letting you in their basketball arena. You Especially know, like if whatever. you're up in Chicago, you know? Yeah. yeah. So down here, it was just wild. And I remember we were all like, 
they're playing football here. Why can't you play football <laughs> in Wisconsin? I don't understand. Um, but good for Justin Fields. See, that's a team leader, loves football, dedicated type of guy. Yeah, back to Jack. Yes, um, back to Jack Sanborn. So that was 2020, like I said, COVID year. 2021, his senior year, um, he started all 13 games. He ranked second among team with 91 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, which was the fourth, which was fourth in the Big Ten. Another good year, but you didn't see all those interception force fumbles that year, which obviously could have affected. He was also obviously second on his team in tackles, so I can't remember who that is right now, but it was probably someone who maybe was overshadowing Jack Sanborn a little bit. Um, but I also feel like Wisconsin's just known, too, for their their defense. Like It's just that when you think of Wisconsin, when you I th- think of When defense. I think of Wisconsin, I think of linebackers, linemen, and running back, which is kind of funny because that's kind of what you think about when you think yeah. about the Bears. Because the Watts went to... Yes, yeah, so well, TJ Watt initially was, or not TJ, JJ initially was a tight end, and then TJ, yeah. had, he had the initial, he yeah. was successful for the whole time with the yeah. defensive end position. But they had they they produce NFL players, especially considering, uh, or they produce a lot of NFL players, considering how like low they recruit. Like they're not like really like Alabama yeah, or Notre yeah. Dame or like. Those I mean, it's big not names. the SEC, and I, look like the the Big Ten can compete. Um, closest to other, like to the SEC, than yeah. compared to other, obviously the top of the ACC some years, but um, for the most part, it's you look at the SEC and it's that you know, like they're just a freak of nature. Most oh yeah, of the time. and like I will say that like Wisconsin, like they just they recruit the Midwest to get those big corn-fed Wisconsin boys mm-hmm. with all their cheese and beer and stuff, and they make <laughs> NFL players out of them. So cheese and beer sounds good right about now, but um, yeah, so that was Jack Sanborn's college career. So to me. My first question was, how the heck did this guy not get drafted? Not saying he was going to be, you know, in the first two, three rounds, but why, how did he not get drafted in that round five, six, seven at least? Um, And so right now for the Bears, so far in four starts, like I said, there was a little bit of playing before those four four starts, but the majority of these numbers are coming from that. Uh, One fumble recovery, 48 tackles, four tackles for loss, three QB hits, two sacks, 36 of those... 48 tackles are solo tackles. Um, He also has an interception, but they called it back for illegal hands-to-face, which wasn't, but I'm going to say he got an interception because he did. Um, That sounds like a pretty good pretty good stat line for a guy who's had four starts in the NFL. Uh, he's, been playing, he's been playing better than Roquan Smith's been playing in, in uh, Baltimore with yeah. that weird-ass 18 he's got on. So. <laughs> it is so weird. Um, and they also, in the uh, in the broadcast, called him Roquan Williams the other day during the Jags game. And I was like, Come on. <laughs> that's so better weird. Better than that. Um, but yeah, so now we're going to get to our next guest because, like I said, my question was, how did this guy go undrafted? Um, thank you for everybody who passed up on him because the Chicago Bears ended up Including getting him. Including the Chicago Bears. That's what I keep – I honestly was thinking about that yesterday because I was sitting there and I was like, we also passed up on him. We took uh, like multiple linemen, whatever, his Zachary Thomas and Treston Ebner Doug and Kramer. Doug Kramer over him also. So we should also be shunned a little bit for not taking him. And they kept saying, okay, I guess one of the scouts, one of the Bears scouts, um, can't remember his name at the moment – it's like their executive scout loved Jack and was kind of the one that was like pushing them yeah. like, no, you need to go get this kid. If, the, if no one else takes him, then you need to get him. And I'm like, why didn't we just take him? But I guess maybe they had a feeling he was going you'd to have, you'd, have, you'd also have to assume, considering he's from Wisconsin, he's from around Illinois, they think they had a pretty good shot at signing him. Yeah. He didn't get drafted too, so that probably yeah. played a factor in it. Um, but yeah, let's get to our next guest. His name is Derek Klassen. He's a fil- he's a film room guy for Football Outsiders NFL Draft. Uh, he covers the NFL Draft for Bleacher Report. He also does NFL Sundays for New York Times. So he does all sorts of stuff. But knows his he, draft stuff. Yeah, he knows his draft stuff. If you uh, 
Follow him on Twitter, uh, which let me give that to everybody really quick because he um, gives a lot of good information on there. And if you're a lot the of type good of, breakdowns, if you're the type of person like we are that will start looking deeply into the draft and film breakdowns and hear about guys who maybe nobody's talking about. Um, so it's Derek Classen. It is at QB class with a K. Um, so. Go ahead and follow him because he has a lot of good stuff. But we'll cut to that interview, and he kind of will be able to talk, find out why Jack was not drafted. All right, now we're joined by Derek Klassen. He is film room guy for Football Outsiders, NFL draft guy for Bleacher Report, NFL Sundays for New York Times. So, Derek, you're a very busy guy, so thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Uh, all right, so we are here, obviously, uh, to talk about Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn was a guy that was undrafted this year, and I think some Bears fans, most Bears fans, didn't really know what to expect from him this season, but we also had Roquan Smith, so th there wasn't a whole lot of concern there at the moment. He was more of a depth guy, and maybe in the future we'd be seeing Jack, and obviously that changed pretty quick when uh, Roquan got traded, Derek. So um, I just want to start a little bit. We heard, we heard from his high school football coach, the other day, we did an interview with him, uh, Coach Mertens, up in Illinois. And now we're here to find out why this guy went undrafted because so far it's, it seems a little crazy to us because he's performing pretty well. It's a small sample pool. But um, let's take a, a take a look at some of the measurables. So obviously 6'1", 234, Derek. Um, he has 30 and a half arms, wingspan, 6'2", with one-eighth. He ran a seven, a four seven three. Tell me about that number when it comes to linebackers. That I, I think all of what you just said, all of his measurables, are most of why he went undrafted is because I think a lot of times in the draft, um, especially once coaches, I think, really start watching film, they look for guys who have traits and say, oh, I can coach him up and I can make him a football player. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sanborn was, was the opposite. Sanborn was like a really, really good sound football player, just kind of below average speed. You know, he's not, he's not going to get dusted by everybody, but he doesn't have that true sideline to sideline speed. And then, like you mentioned with his arm length, some of the shortest arms that have ever been measured in combine history, that's tough when you're coming up to take on blocks and stuff like that. So I think, you know, teams and coaches just kind of saw a guy who didn't have tools even though he was a really good football player and had a lot of film and were just like, eh, we'll, we'll find guys who have tools and, and we'll coach them up. And obviously that, you know, he's already kind of proven that wrong by the fact that he's already stepped into a starting role and already looks like an NFL starting player. Would you say that uh, NFL teams these uh, days value more the raw physical tools and some of the combine numbers over some actual college production? I think 100%. I think too, especially at um, a position like linebacker, I, I think linebacker really is one of the, hardest positions to evaluate at the college level and to, to project to the next level. And even just guys who come into the pros, it's a really hard transition a lot of the time. I mean, even Roquan Smith, um, for as good as he was um, by the time he left Chicago, did not have a great first year in Chicago um, just because it's such a hard position to learn. Um, and so I think teams kind of just kind of want to go, you know what, if it's going to be this transition period anyway for most guys, Let's just swing on the traits. Let's get a guy who runs in the four fives. Let's get a guy who has long arms, can hit, all that sort of stuff, and just pray for the best. I mean, the Eagles have been trying to do this for years to, to no avail, really. Um, and that's kind of like the, the other side of what this looks like. Um, and funny enough, their only other hit at the position really is TJ Edwards, who is of the Sanborn mold mm -hmm. of a guy who, like, is not all that athletic, but is just a really good football player. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, especially a linebacker, teams really do just kind of value 
traits and, and hoping for the best. Yeah, honestly, I feel like last year's draft at the top of the class, a great example of that. You have Trayvon Walker, who is relatively not really looked at as a top pick coming into the process and then has the combine, explodes with all the traits. Then a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who played well in college, had some of the traits, but just wasn't as, didn't test as well in Tra- as Trayvon. And clearly you see how the teams value that, so. And I think you even really saw it with just how the linebackers shaked out, like with Devin Lloyd going in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even Quay Walker, like two guys who are just a little bit shaky on film at times, but just physically looked um, like pros, super long arms, really good athletes. Um, and I think for both of them, we've seen it's just not really worked out for them all that well, because it is, like I said, really, really hard um, position to transition to unless you are just absolutely locked into understanding how to play the position. Yeah, and I think Derek, a lot of these, a lot of these guys, there goes a lot into the combine, and obviously we had a couple weird years with COVID too, where they were doing pro days and it wasn't the official combine, so things got a little screwy during those times. But uh, Jack Sandberg, one of the, he didn't participate in a few things. One of those being the bench press. Do you think that ever affects anything if they do not participate, or does that help them in certain aspects sometimes? I think. Um... I think it it kind of is like a case-by-case thing. Um, I do think it is interesting that he didn't because I actually find a lot of times it's easier for guys with shorter arms to bench just because you obviously have less, you know, way for the the bar to go up and down. A lot of times you'll actually see guys with super long arms are the ones that are not wanting to bench. Um, But I think a lot of times it's just kind of like, it's usually better for, for teams to use whatever their imagination is for not having a number than putting out a poor number. And honestly, I don't think the bench press is like a particularly impactful thing, but mm-hmm. um, kind of like you alluded to, like it's probably just better in some cases to just, if you don't think you're going to do well, just don't put the number out there and, yeah. and let teams think about it. Um, something I've always kind of been curious about is a lot of the time you'll see some of these top high school prospects uh, not be projected to be super or do super or get drafted super high initially out of high school. Um, I got like Jack Sanborn, for example. He's a four star prospect. You think that's pretty high. And then you go to his profile and he's like, oh, yeah, maybe a day three pick. What do you think is the thing that separates some of those players where it's just like, yeah, you're graded really high out of high school. But at the end of the day, like they don't think you have the NFL talent. I mean, I think a lot of the times it really just comes down to probably purely because I think if you look at um, high school players, like speed is probably the one thing where it's so obvious to see which guys are just faster than, the, than their uh, opponents, especially if they have the size. And like a guy like Sanborn was, even if he was a really good football player in high school um, and, and then again in college, like speed and, and you know, running sideline to sideline, um, you know, taking guys out of the backfield, like that's just not his forte. And I think a lot of times with really any position, speed is kind of like, the thing that people look to for defining potential and if he didn't really have that that's that's probably what played a big part in that yeah i mean if you look at the combine every year it seems like the 40 times are like the thing that everyone's always talking about and Mm -hmm. it kind of is pretty reflective of the modern day nfl so i'd have to agree with you on that one yeah in all positions because i think even when you're looking at the defenses now you are seeing quicker even defensive lines when a lot of times it just used to be big guys that could take up space. So they want these quick guys now. Um, Derek, when you're looking at some of the positives from his player profile, I'm going to go over a couple of these, and you just tell me, in your opinion, which one of these stand out as the positives that could mean the most for this inside linebacker position or technically middle linebacker and what he's playing in Chicago. Um, So some of the things listed, it says above average lateral movement, quick feet, and moves across the line of scrimmage well. He's comfortable working tight to the line of scrimmage and navigating clutter. Um, another thing, very good eyes and trigger knows when to be patient or play fast downhill. 
I think for me, it, it's his eyes. Like, you know, kind of because the way that we've mentioned, like he's not the best athlete. He's probably like an average, maybe slightly below average uh, NFL athlete for the linebacker position, but his eyes and his discipline, you know, not, you know, not taking eye candy, knowing that when to not run with motions, knowing um, where pullers are going, all that sort of stuff. He's so, so good at all that stuff. And I think it allows him to play a little bit faster than his, you know, raw speed might suggest. Um, and I think at linebacker, when things happen so fast, I mean, you're only four, four and a half yards off the ball. Like everything happens so, so fast for you. You really have to have good eyes and discipline. And I think um, he's really already at, at a really good level, at, um, you know, in terms of being a professional linebacker that way. Obviously, it's probably a lot easier to look back and say like, oh, this person should probably have gone there or this or that. Um, and we've had a really kind of a small sample size of Jack playing at the starting position so far, but he has succeeded so much. So if you were to go back and look at your grade uh, now, where do you think you would have graded him round wise getting picked? I think maybe a little higher. Uh, I still probably would have not had him in the top 100. I think he still probably at best would have been a fourth rounder just because okay. on on the basis of like, even though I think he is performing well right now and will continue to perform well, there is still a degree of like, he probably is already kind of close to his ceiling just because athletically he, you know, like I said, he doesn't really have long arms, isn't really going to be able to run with um, the the really quick and fast running backs out of the backfield. And he even has a size disadvantage against a lot of linebackers. He's kind of a guy who is really more good in like zone than, than being able to like uh, match up man to man and like, be really good in the red zone against tight ends and that sort of stuff. So I think there is still a little bit of a ceiling that, that would limit him from being like a premium pick. But um, I really thought it was absurd that he went up draft, undrafted at the time. And then looking back now, how successful he's already been, I probably would bump my grade up a little bit. We like to hear that. We like to hear that. Um, so now Wisconsin, let's talk about like schemes a little bit because Wisconsin changed to a 3-4 defense his senior year. Um, so obviously he had experience in both, but now the Bears being a 4-3 and Flus loves his sub package, extra corner defense. What? How do you think that'll affect, how do you think that'll affect Sanborn? Do you think he's better in that type of scheme or do you think he can fluctuate between the two? I think really for him, it, it, he's kind of one of those guys where it doesn't matter because I think the big difference for linebackers like going 3-4 to 4-3 is kind of just like how well-rounded are you? Because I think if you're in a 3-4, if you're playing inside backer in a 3-4, you got to be really good at coming downhill um, and, and taking on blocks like by yourself mm-hmm. um, or taking on pullers and that sort of thing. If you're playing in a 4-3, you need to be a little bit better at like shooting gaps and, and playing in coverage. You're probably going to have uh, a little bit trickier coverage responsibilities, kind of like what the, the Seahawks used to put on, on their linebackers. But the thing with Sanborn is like, even though athletically there are some players he can't keep up with, just because he's such a smart player, I think he handles every assignment really, really well. And like, even if he doesn't have the longest arms, he always triggers and comes down to take on blocks fairly effectively and like squeeze space for running back to deal with. So I really think like scheme almost doesn't matter for him because he's just such a well-rounded player. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I'm super excited. And honestly, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't sure what to expect from Sanborn. I didn't know a whole lot. Obviously I heard his name a little bit throughout the draft process, but then once we got to preseason, I was hearing so many good things. So I was super excited. Um, but like I, I mentioned earlier, we were kind of expecting Roquan to be here. So it was more of like, okay, we'll see him in a little while, but I, I like the positives. Obviously the arm thing is one thing that you do worry about. And we have, we actually work here at 1010XL in Jacksonville. And one of the guys that comes in on regularly is Jeff Logaman and Jeff Logaman speaks a lot about the importance of long arms or how those long arms can 
affect certain players and really help and how they really hurt certain guys. So that's a little question. That's a little concern. But like you said, if he can play to his strengths, you can look around that. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I just he's always going to be physically limited, and I think he's not going to have the super insane plays that Roquan Smith had at times. But just like I think we both said, just the the floor for his game is so astronomically high, especially for a player who's still young, that it's just you're always going to feel pretty nice about him being on the field. So, uh, obviously, the Bears pretty terrible this year. Terrible team usually leads to a good draft pick, which is good for us. Um, and so I got to ask you, there's been a lot of debate, I feel like, amongst Bears fans to this point to where I'm in the camp personally of I want to get as high as a pick as possible because I feel like the two quarterbacks in this draft, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and there's a significant drop-off when you get the guys like Will Levis after that. I'm of the personal opinion that they should probably try and get as high a pick as possible, trade down, and then maybe still have a chance to get a guy like a Jalen Carter, uh, Will Anderson, you know, guys of that type. Other Bears fans of the mindset is like, hey, like, let's try and be as competitive as possible the rest of the way. We'll probably still end up getting the top five draft pick, but at the end of the day, like, it's really kind of more important to have it on the team uh, or on the field product look better towards the end of the season. What would you say you're in that camp? So before the trade deadline, I actually think I was in the second camp where I was like, you know what? The Bears are a little bit better than I thought I would be. They can kind of be competitive. I think having a good defense is really good for a young quarterback like Justin Fields. Obviously, then they traded all of their good players away on defense. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they kind of just decided outright, you know what? We're not going to be competitive. So I think at this point, that's kind of the bet they've made. So I think I'm, I'm kind of more in the first camp now of just like, you know what? Just protect Justin Fields. Don't let him play if he's not healthy. Get as high a pick as you can. And like you said, trade down um, if you have to for a guy like Jalen Carter, um, Will Anderson, um, you know, Miles Murphy, something like that. Some, I mean, somebody particularly up front, I think, for them. Yeah, I feel like it's almost, almost a little bit similar to the uh, Mariota and Goff here where you had two top quarterbacks. And if there's, player, if there's teams, obviously the Texans are probably going to end up taking a quarterback. But if a team like the Bears is up there, I feel like they could get a pretty good uh, bounty considering the drop-off after what um, Young and uh, Stroud. Yeah, I think 100%. Because there's, there's going to be more than two teams that need quarterbacks. <laughs> there's probably going to be five or six. Mm -hmm. And so I think 100%, if you're one of those teams that are, you know, if the Bears are picking third or fourth, probably going to be able to get a pretty good haul for, you know, which whichever of Stroud or Young is still left available. Yeah, which thank goodness we're finally in the boat of not needing a quarterback, <laughs> at, least, at least for a little while. <laughs> um, a couple more for you. Going back to this last year's draft, um, I know you the most of the stuff I read you you did a lot of focus on like that linebacker defensive line type of position but how did you feel about the Bears going Kyler Gordon Jaquan Brisker for their first two last year it, it was one of those things where like I am a huge Justin Fields fan so I really really wanted them to target any receiver or lineman that was left available like I'm pretty sure George Pickens was still available for one of those picks and I think that would have been perfect for a guy like Fields at the same time, that that Bears defense, their secondary was so just bad, completely out of talent. <laughs> yeah, like they just had Bear. nobody that I was like, you know what? If they are kind of already in the mindset of committing to Justin Fields anyway, I think it's perfectly fine if they were like, you know what? We think we're going to play with Fields no matter what. No matter what happens this year, we're going to go into them in 2023. Let's just get these really good secondary players um and and try to go from there obviously you know i think kyler gordon has struggled a little bit but he was a good prospect brisker at least brisker i think looks awesome brisker yeah. is going to be a really really good player
Yeah, yeah we're very excited about Briscard. Yeah. yeah, Kyler started the season rough, um, but they moved him back to like the slot corner position, and he's picked up a lot. So I think he's just one of those guys that plays what he plays, and that's kind of what it is. Um, oh, yeah, so something I kind of was just wondering here, going back to my question, where do you think the Bears should be targeting in the draft? Do you think it's kind of a thing where it's just the best player available, whoever's there, take them, or they should try and look more for like a receiver or an offensive lineman? I think... It's kind of tough because, mm-hmm. you know, last year they were in the position of like, well, they could kind of take anything because they need everything. Outside of quarterback, they still kind of need everything, especially with the way that they, they gutted their, their front this year. So I'm probably of the opinion that if either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson are there, you take them. I think those two guys are just unbelievable, phenomenal talents. Um, other than that, I think maybe, you know, offensive tackle might be tough because uh, the Penn State guy who was supposed to be a top 15 pick just went back, so there might not be that many of them to pick from. And then um, receiver, I mean, I I would be pretty happy if they traded down a little bit and picked up a guy like Quentin Johnson or or Jordan Addison. Mm -hmm. Preferably Johnson just because I think getting fields like a real true ball winner would be like a real way to unlock his skill set. Could also really use the size too in the receiver core. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We just got, like with the Claypool – uh, trade. We're hoping for that 50-50 contested catch big deep ball type of guy, but hasn't quite been there yet, so it'd be nice to have somebody who's a little more comforting. Alright, Derek, one more for you before we let you go, um, and this is just kind of a generic about this draft because we are already talking draft since we cannot win football games right now. Um, obviously, there's the obvious ones at the type, top of the board with Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, um, Stroud, Will Levis is up there, Broderick Jones, those type of guys. Are there? Is there anybody that you see see maybe surprisingly going in the first round or someone that you really like that you think should go in the first round I think when the when the college football season is over and people realize they have to watch Wake Forest they're going to realize A.T. Perry is really freaking good he's like 6'4 220 pound receiver just a tank of a man and he's really one of the fastest receivers in this class Um, incredible speed for his size and he really does a good job of, like, sinking and, and getting through his routes, you know, for a really big guy. Like, I don't think he's as stiff as, like, DK Metcalf. And then he plays to his size when the ball's in the air. Like, he, he dunks on people. Like, he's uh, plenty of games this year where he goes for, like, 150 yards just dunking on people in the end zone. So, I think it's just kind of one of those cases where, like, nobody cares to watch Wake Forest yeah. because why would you? But <laughs> I think when that's all that we have to do is to go back and watch Wake Forest games, I, I think he's going to rise up the boards. I like him a lot. I like Sounds that. Like a good target for the Bears. Yeah, those are the names we exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> and those are the names I love hearing those ones. And that's why when you really get deep into the de- the draft talk, you find out so many names where you're like, I didn't hear that name one time this season. You're like, well, that's because you don't watch Mac football or you don't watch this football. I'm like, yep, that's probably. And the ACC this year at the bottom, it's pretty much been the Mac. So we're, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, all right, Derek. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate your insight on Jack. We were trying to figure out why he was undrafted. We're c- incredibly happy. Happy he fell to the Bears. Very happy. But uh, thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. Right, thanks. Thanks for coming on. All right. So thanks to Derek. Um, small arm Sanborn. Hopefully yeah. that is not a nickname we have to call him. I was like, oh, poor poor Jack. He has small He can't help that. Yeah, I just feel like at the end of the day, the NFL these days is so much about the immeasurables. It's all about how fast are you, how big is your wingspan, you know? When they come to the uh, combine, it's literally all they can talk about. I mean, Kenny Pickett's hands were yeah. the talk of the town. I mean, that was literally everything. Everything. And so it's production has started to matter less and less. And as I said, a guy like Trevon Walker, who had 
very little production at Georgia. Was mm-hmm. the first pick in the draft this year over a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who was yeah. very productive at Michigan. So, and, ob- and like, I think it's definitely gotten to a point where it's almost like analytics, where it's yeah. kind of overused a little bit to mm-hmm. a point where it's just like this guy's got all the immeasurables and all the skills. It's just like there's a reason he wasn't good in college. Yeah, you know, there are some players who put it together. It happens. Like Daniel yeah. Hunter is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Where like I think in college he had like one sack at LSU, and now he's one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. Yeah, but. There are other guys where it's just, yeah, they're athletic, like John Ross. Yeah. Really fast. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't play football. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, too, I am not one of those people that take a whole lot of stock in combine or, like, pro days. I, I get sometimes you shine there. That's when you get these 40 times. But even the one year, I think it was the year that Justin and they were all drafted, so 2021, um, Every I feel like seventeen people ran a four four. Like every number that was coming out was like unofficial four four six. Yeah, that was unofficial. a weird year. I, I was remember, like, yeah. there's no way all these guys are running a four four. Um, but whatever. So I've just never. And to me, like you're talking about Trayvon Walker, and he was one of the guys. So I remember when it started picking up, and he was doing all these like weird workouts in the gym where he was literally like doing pull ups. But as he was doing pull ups, he was like lifting the like. Had the Bent. chains on, like, his, yeah. the plate. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. it was just so showy to me. And all of a sudden, he started skyrocketing. I was like, sorry, personally, this is not going to make me want to draft Trayvon Walker. And then the Jags did draft Trayvon Walker one overall. And I was like, what? And yeah. then traded up to draft Devin Lloyd, which neither of them are performing very well at all this year. And I'm not surprised. Because yeah. the one thing with Trayvon, too, is listen to what these guys are saying. Like, listen to what the scouts and the guys that cover them through the whole process say, not just the ones that cover them on pro day or combine. Because from the beginning, these guys were saying like, look, he has a potential high ceiling, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done, number one. Number two, they don't even know particularly what position this guy plays. Because at Georgia, everybody on the Georgia defense is like five-star recruits. So it makes you look a lot better when you're surrounded by a bunch of five-star guys. And that's kind of what it looks like happened with Trayvon. Not saying he'll be bad forever, um, but they've got to figure out where to put him. Yeah, I think it's always really interesting with like this project stuff where people are just like, we think he's good, but like right now he sucks. Yeah. So, but yeah. we hope he'll be Maybe. good. Maybe. We'll hope he'll be Maybe good. But we like can guy, fix him. Yeah, but a guy like Jack Sorry, Sand- Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to be the team to fix any sort exactly. of player. But like a guy like Jack Sanborn, I think he said really clearly, it's just like, yeah, maybe his ceiling isn't super high because he lacks all like, you know, the speed and the arm size and all that fun stuff. Yeah. But he's a good football player. And at the end of the day, you need good football players in your team. And yeah, maybe he's not going to chase down guys from the back or, you know, jump over the defensive line or offensive line to make a play, but he's yeah. going to get guys, he's going to make tackles, and he's a smart player. So, yeah, use Which, his brain. I love that. And he, that's the one thing that, um, Klassen said was his eyes are his favorite thing. And that's one thing that you can notice. He is wherever the action is, wherever the ball is going, Jack Sanborn's somewhere around there. Like, no matter where he started on the field, you'll end up finding him near wherever the ball is, which is what you want from a guy. Yeah. Especially, poor guy, though. I feel like he's just doing it all on his own right now. Like- yeah, I will, I will <laughs> say, like, we've definitely been uh, giving Jack a lot of praise this episode, and he has had his moments where he doesn't look super good. I do remember from last game. I wasn't out, hand up. I mm-hmm. didn't watch every snap last game. Shocker. I know, yeah. right? But I did see the one play where the Jets scored and he kind of got blown up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not ideal, but like those things happen. And yeah, I, I mean, don't I don't think Jack Sanborn's going to be our like all pro linebacker of the future. But I think he's definitely played well enough to where like he could be a very solid linebacker mm-hmm. on a very good team. And he's played well enough to me where I feel like he should have the he has the number one linebacker job going into next year. We yeah. shouldn't be looking for a guy in the draft at the, really high to try and replace him. Yeah. If we sign someone, I'd like it to be someone that's cheaper, you know, to a yeah. flyer on. But right now, Jack Sanborn has played well enough to where I think it's his job. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that, to me, just the way the defensive line and the linebackers are right now, hit, 
him being able to perform this way to me is makes it look even better because there's no help. Like normally when you were when Roquan was performing the way Roquan was the last few years, that defensive line was stacked and he didn't have like he there had the wasn't time to develop. Yes. And you had time to sit there and you had time. It wasn't like all of the run, the rusher or the balls coming at you in three seconds because that defensive line put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks and it made the jobs easier for the linebackers It made the jobs easier for the secondary. And now that's why our linebackers and secondary are just getting crushed so much because the defensive line is so bad. Yeah. And like there, I think there is a fair criticism to say that Jack Sanborn's numbers are slightly inflated because our defense is so bad. When you have the defense or the running back at your defensive line every single time they run the ball, mm-hmm. you're gonna have more opportunities to make tackles. Yeah. So, which that's why his he has so many yeah, tackles. Yeah, and that that's that is a fair argument, and I understand that. But I really do think that Sanborn, at the very least, is gonna be a solid player for us yeah. for a long time. I agree, um, but. That is Jack Sanborn, and I'm excited to see what ends up happening with Jack Sanborn. What I really hope, which we mentioned with Coach earlier, is that I hope he gets a couple sacks on Aaron Rodgers this weekend. Maybe maybe a broken collarbone, <laughs> but, you, you know. You what? Said well, who earlier. said that? Who said that? That's so terrible. Why would you wish injuries He's banged on up already right now, and that's so uh, before we head out, obviously this weekend is a Packers game. This is the most, like— blah I've felt about a Packers game in a long time because of multiple reasons. Number one— we are not a good football team right now. What? And I think that it's especially defensively. And that's what's frustrating is because Aaron Rodgers is not playing good football. The Packers are not playing good football. Their defense has allowed the most rushing yards in the league. So we got to take advantage of that. Justin Fields practice full today. Do you think he's playing? I, I mean... I don't know I, how he's not playing it. I mean, like, I could get he maybe— has If he's healthy, he's playing. I could get maybe some argument that's just like, oh, he wasn't really healthy until Thursday. He didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to prepare. Like, I could see that argument. Because he And it wasn't—he did not not practice. He was limited, limited, limited yeah. and then a full participant. Yeah. Um, so but, I could see them trying to be like, oh, yeah, like, we don't want Justin to play. Like, it's obviously because they want to lose mm-hmm. if that happens. But they would, there's some way they would try and swing it to where it's not because of that. But, yeah. You know. So. And so, like, the last time we played the Packers, we hadn't opened Justin Fields' Up yet. We were uh, we were taking quarterback sweet sneaks from a shotgun. Yeah, that's, where we that's what we were doing yeah. the last time we played the Green Bay Packers. So they haven't faced this Justin Fields offense, Getsy offense, since they've really opened the playbook and been like, okay, let's use Justin and let's run. And like I just mentioned, they've allowed the most rushing yards in the league. So I think that's going to automatically open a lot of opportunities for Justin and David Montgomery. Um, the question and- I would have for you, though, is considering that, yes, Justin is healthy, or he's healthy enough to be a full participant, mm-hmm. do you still think they should run him like he would if he was 100% healthy? I would say run him. Like, if you're going to have him out there, you might as well run him. If not, don't play him. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it was his non-throwing shoulder, too. So it's not like, to me, if it was like, his knee or if it was his throwing shoulder or if it was like ribs or something like that, I would say no. But they were already debating last week playing him because it was the non-throwing shoulder and because he was like, okay, and it was nothing serious. Yeah. Um, I don't want it, obviously, anything to further, but I I don't play Justin if you can't play Justin the way you want to play him. There's no point. Like, I agree. What is that going to do? I definitely do think that it's like, it's really an all or nothing kind of thing. It's like if he is ready to go, let him play. And if mm-hmm. he's not 100 percent ready, like what's the point? Then like, we have a bye week and yeah. let him rest, and then we have Philly and Buffalo. Yeah. So, so I think I think uh, we need to get into the little debate. I think mm-hmm. we've been having this whole week is yeah. is it the smart move for the Bears to win this game? What do you think? 
and me and you disagree on this. Yes. Like, well, we agree, but disagree. Yeah, I think we're like, we, we see we each other's points. We understand. Yes, yes. Because so in my eyes, I want to be the Green Bay Packers. And this is what we were talking about. So you were like, okay, but if we get the second pick, and I said, hands down, I would choose beating the Green Bay Packers over the second pick in a heartbeat. And I would disagree with that. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is just, like, I just can't. I cannot, I do not want the way Aaron Rodgers, because the way it looks is they're looking, try, finding a way to try to move on. Like, they're thinking whether he's at the end or if it's Jordan Love time or he, they trade him, whatever happens. But I do not want the last game that Aaron Rodgers plays at Soldier Field to be the game where they he passes the Bears for most wins in the NFL, in addition to beating Justin Fields for that, next time in addition to just extending the record of the amount of times that he beat us while being bad so like that's all we're gonna hear is like this is Aaron Rodgers worst season of his entire career and he could still be the Chicago Bears I do not want to that to be the storyline and if I have to if we have to have the fourth or fifth pick and beat the Packers I'll take that right now yeah and like I will say I am not like what the hell are you talking about you don't know anything like that's not at all where I'm coming from with this for me, I think it's really like I just want the best opportunity to have the best chance to be successful going forward. And yes, all of those things you would say it would be awful. Like mm-hmm. the day of, the week after, it would be terrible. Especially because we have the bye week the next week. It'll be two weeks to just kind of yeah. live in with all of that. All of that being said, though, I really do think that being able to amass as many assets going forward is the best thing for this team. And mm-hmm. having the second pick in the draft, while something we might, we might not use... I'm okay with that because we could trade down a couple picks and still end up being like five or six and end up yeah. getting a great player. Yeah. And the thing for me is like, first of all, I don't think that this is going to be Aaron Rodgers last year at the Packers. I know a lot of Packers fans want that to be the case. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the situation, it's re- literally like impossible to trade him. I think it's something like $99 million in dead cap if he's traded yeah. or cut after this year. It increases next year to over $100 million plus. Yeah. So it's just not really even realistic for the negative at this point. So I don't think this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' last game in, in – playing the Bears, especially in Soldier Field. And it's going to suck if we lose, especially if we get our asses kicked. You yeah. don't want that to happen. But Aaron Rodgers could also just say peace. Yeah, but like, well, like he can't though, really. I like, mean, he can. They can't not. not he's, he he's could not, retire but tomorrow. He's, he's not going to retire off a You don't like know. I, Aaron, he, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, I genuinely do think, cares about being a good football player. And like that's part of the reason why I think he gets so frustrated sometimes and is kind of such a dick to his teammates because mm-hmm. he cares so much. And I don't think he'd let a career... That's been filled with so many disappointments, and it's such a disappointing note like this. Yeah. I just really don't. And I don't know. I don't trust Aaron Rodgers. I think that he doesn't have any loyalty to anybody or anything. And you could tell the last few years the way he was just, like, on a whim, like, going to act like he, like, pretty much just tricked the Packers into thinking he was going to leave because that's just what he does. And he lied to them about COVID and does does so many sketchy stuff. He does not care. He doesn't care. But, like, I think Aaron Rodgers. He He cares about football. So, in my eyes. He doesn't care about the Packers. He cares about Aaron. Yeah. And last season, he would have been retiring off an MVP year. For the rest of his career, everyone's like, what if Aaron Rodgers would, or the rest of his life, rather, what if Aaron Rodgers would have played five more seasons? Mm -hmm. He could have won so, so many Super Bowls. He could have done this. Now it's just like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, like he had an awful year and then just retired. Like, yeah. But what if he beats the Bears, he passes that NFL record, he's like, whatever. Like literally I have a – my ribs are broken. I have two broken fingers. I'm super beat up. I just want – I don't want to do this. Like yeah, I, I don't I, have I Devontae see... Adams. Christian Watson's great, but it's not the connection I had with Devontae. Um, Matt LaFleur, I'd ra- I literally am shaking hands with my former coach 
over in Dallas before I went and shook hands with Matt LaFleur. The one like, that you got fired because you didn't yeah, like. Yeah. So I don't know. I And like I said, this is where we're both like, I get your side of it. Like I just, I just personally cannot. Like I cannot pick losing to the Packers over a draft pick, especially because, like I said, if we could still get the fourth or fifth pick, we still can get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. We won't have all those, like, extra, maybe four pick two this year and two next year. But you're not – those aren't guarantee hits anyways to I me. Agree. Like, yeah. you you have – we have all our draft picks this year. We have our first round. We have a ton of money. And to me, a win over the Packers and not letting them pass us at Soldier Field is, like – just a bit means more to me than maybe hitting on a couple extra picks. Yeah. And like, I will say that another thing is I do think that the bears going forward are projected to be a lot better mm-hmm. for the next few years in the Packers. So I think it's going to be very, we'll get it back. Yeah. We're going to get it back. If and... it wasn't at soldier field, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Like it would take away a little bit of the pain. for Yeah. Me. And like, there's, there's a good chance. Like, Hey, if we sweep the Packers next year. We could get it back in Lambeau, you yeah. know? So like there is a, I totally get like every single part of me hates the Packers. Mm-hmm. Every single time we lose to them, it's the worst. Like, I remember thinking back to that one game where Aaron Rodgers had like five touchdowns at halftime. And it's just Ugh. like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> it's been so terrible. But I just don't this, want is, that this, this is the first time in my entire life that even if we get our asses kicked, I'll still feel better about us and the Packers going forward. Uh, it's just, I just, to me, I just here for the next, you know, until the next season starts, nine months, 10 months, whatever that is, all the storylines are going to be like, oh, yeah, but like Aaron thing- Rodgers is like, Okay, we already know he owns the Bears. That's what everyone says. So, like, that now that continues. And then not only that, but he's like, uh, I just picture But they, they it. still have Aaron Rodgers, the diva quarterback that hates being there mm-hmm. with no way to get rid of him. And that's but the thing that'll make me feel better. Then it also, they're screwed. It's they not are. going to get better until next year when we hopefully beat them because that's like in my eyes, everybody, whether it be with Aaron Rodgers. So if it's Aaron Rodgers, it's like he does it again, ha-ha. If it ends up being Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers is hurt, then it's like, all right, well, is Jordan Love better than Justin Fields? Because he beat Justin Fields at home. I would say it would depend how they won. If they throw the ball eight times and they have Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon run for 100 apiece and they will beat us, yeah. I don't think people are going to be like, watch out, Jordan Love's better than Justin yeah, Fields. Yeah, but that's Justin's numbers a lot of times. So well, it's like, like, then it, they're going to be like, well, then shut up because well, Justin's diff- not winning Well, the difference is either. Jordan Love wouldn't be running for over 100 yards yeah, in this situation. But he has two backs that will. Yeah. And Justin wasn't when... We had Khalil and Mark. Well, the, the idea was we weren't really using him like that before. Yeah. And since we have been, he's, I, I, guess I expect like, 100 yards out of It would only point. be okay if, like, let's say, but the problem is Jordan Love's going to have a good game because our defense sucks. So that's, that's where my mind is. Like, hey, so it's going to be Jordan Love's going to have three or four touchdowns, beat Justin Fields at home to pass the Bears, and they're going to be like, here it is. Like, Rodgers is handing the torch over to Jordan Love. And I do not want that to be the storyline I have to hear for the next, until we play them. Hey, and, like, if we're being 100% honest, like, there still is a chance we beat the Packers and do get like the second pick in the draft. It's not like if we beat, yeah. if we win this it's week. It's not like automatically. Not yeah, happening. if we win this week and I think everyone else uh, loses that's behind us, I think we could fall down to like five or six. Mm-hmm. So like the Texans play the Browns. It's the Deshaun Watson meeting yeah, reunion. I will say Deshaun's last uh, appearance, I actually Looks got to see in crap. person here in Jacksonville. And he did not look very good. Yeah. So. And then what is the other? Who else is? Oh, because right now we have two. It's the Rams. Right? The Rams are the Lions pick. And then I cannot remember what the And I think are. the um, I think it might be the Seahawks with the Broncos pick is the other one that is currently in front of us. And the Seahawks with the Broncos and Seahawks are actually play, playing it's, well, it is so that's insane nice to me that so Seahawks Rams play this week and then Browns Texans. Well, play so this it's week. technically it technically is the Broncos pick. 
Oh, so Broncos. They traded for him. Oh, so, yeah, 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 like, yeah. I don't okay. think the Broncos are going to lose out the rest of the way because like they're not that bad. And same with the Rams. So like at the end Russell of the day, Russell Wilson's playing bad yeah. though. Thank God we did not do that. And they play <sighs> the Ravens, so they're going to lose. But the Ravens is playing pretty bad recently too. So who knows? Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how this weekend goes. On either way, unless. I want the Bears to win. At, I, I want the, the Bears the to win. I, like I, I am never going to forget the Bears. Either not way, to win. no matter how, they, whatever way they lose, if if they lose and it's to Rodgers or if it's to Jordan Love or it's because Aaron Jones has 400 yards, I don't care. I'll be mad either way. Um, if the Bears come in, this is maybe the only lose scenario where I feel okay is if Justin is playing. And Justin has just like an insane game. Like if Justin has like the Dolphins game, two, three Cowboys game, yeah, a couple passing touchdowns, a couple rushing t- touchdowns. You know, like 180, 200 passing yards, a hundred rushing yards, and our defense just happens to give up, you know, 40, 45. Then I would be like, okay, yeah, like but it's an L. But Justin looked. Great. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, what if we have a game like the Texans game where Justin looks bad, bad. but yeah. we still win? I don't want that. Exactly. So it's just like there is definitely two sides to that. So it'll be very interesting to see well, how this happens. Well, I would still want that. I would still want to beat the Packers. But even they if Justin would throws like, like three picks and like it looks terrible, we, there's and... no way we're winning if Justin throws three picks. It, but like, but like you know, that just I, wouldn't happen you, like you because say, our defense like, is too bad. You say that, but you never like you never know. Like just, the Packers offense how at would times. We score. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just throwing hypotheticals out here, Taylor. That's all I'm doing. I'm not saying it's likely. I would still want the Packers to win. I mean, the Bears to win just because. Just for that record, people would talk crap, and we'd be like, because then I'd be able to be like, he just got back from injury, like, yeah, he hadn't practiced in a while, yeah, yeah. like, I would have some excuses. I'd like, right? I'd like to think if he was playing poorly, the team would just be like, oh yeah, he wasn't healthy, get him out of here. Yeah, yeah, or honestly, pull him and be like, he's not good, you know, yeah, like so. put Nate Peterman out there. Yeah, exactly. I want to um, see the Peterman. Yeah, it's the Peterman. All right. Anyways, so that was our. We talked a lot about Justin Fields, but whatever, it's Justin Fields' time. But that was Jack Sanborn episode. So we're super excited. Like I said, I do hope Jack Sanborn ends up getting a couple sacks on Aaron Rodgers because that would just be chef's kiss to that game um whether we win or lose if we can get see Rodgers with his helmet flying off and like the his eyes crossed a little bit that's always fun hey I will say if we do end up losing I would like it to be a situation to where it's like the Dolphins one where like EQ drops a pass and like it's a guy that's not yeah. going to be here long term and Justin plays well and I just that's my, still I don't what know I want if my heart happen. can take any more of those heart be- breaks though Taylor it's been, happen- been so many Taylor, of those this year I'm like Ugh. it's been happening to me my entire life what's one more at this point like it's it's I'm just numb we're uh, I'm numb remember remember when they threw that touchdown over Chris Conti to send us home and send themselves yeah. to the playoffs that was that, one of the that worst. Was, at, like that's not going to hurt as bad as this. I still yeah. talk about how that was the worst day of my life. So I was at that game and I cr- I legit cried. Forever hate Chris Conti. In my seat, I was crying and the guy by me was like, are you good? And I was like, no, no this is so <laughs> sad. And I literally remember like I get back to the hotel. Granted, I had been like drinking and stuff too. And I get back to the hotel and my friend who didn't want to go to the game was like waiting for me to get back so we could go out. And I'm like crying just walking in the hotel room. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, God's not real. Like, if God was real, <laughs> everything's terrible. <laughs> the, the, the the world's out against me. The Bears are like, never going to be terrible. good. But, yeah. um, but anyways, that was uh, Jack Sanborn making monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. We will catch you guys next week after the Packers game and um, heading into a bye week. Yes. <laughs>
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.